Welcome to the Real Estate Matters Podcast. I'm Stuart Norton with the Alabama Center for Real Estate at the University of Alabama. And uh, today our guest is Lockrain Chase. Uh, welcome to the show, Lockrain. Thank you for having me, Stuart. Yeah. Lockrain's uh, the Director of Leasing and Business Development with Sloss Real Estate. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I want to hear it, you know. We're going to be talking about, you know, about Sloss and focusing on Birmingham and some other areas. Uh, but yeah, but uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, I'm excited to get into the episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, just uh, just uh, to get things rolling here, congrats on the wedding. I know it was a few months ago, but uh, and the honeymoon a little bit more recently, but congratulations. I know it's exciting times for y'all. Oh, thank you so much. And at the the wedding, I feel like is an event more for the parents. Maybe I'm alone and feeling this way. But <laughs> I think you're. Uh, yep. The, the, <laughs> the, the moms and dads love it. The moms oh, yeah. especially, right? Of course. But the the honeymoon was incredible. We went to Scotland for three nights. Went to Edinburgh and St Andrews and Galway for three nights. Into the trip in Dublin and. Uh, we're reluctant to come home, but here we are. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, and so Scotland to Ireland, uh, I've just never been over there. So how do you get from Scotland to Ireland? Is that a, do you fly or you take a, is there a ferry? Is that, <laughs> I guess you have to fly, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, you do. And, and flights over there that were so inexpensive. Really? We call it the very end of travel woes. And I mean, just by the grace of every good fortune, um, you know, didn't have too many hiccups with our trip. Although as we were flying from Boston to Edinburgh, we're 45 minutes over the Atlantic and the pilot comes on the intercom and said, we are experiencing hydraulic failure. That's we not what you want to hear. Yeah, we all think we're going to make it to Edinburgh tonight. So we're going back to Boston. And I've secretly always wanted to go to Boston slash a little more openly. That has been the top of my bucket list city to visit in America. So I had a surprise extra day of the okay. top place I've ever wanted to go in Boston. So all in all, even when there was a hiccup, it just made for yeah. an incredible trip. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Boston is a very interesting place. It's first time I went. It's actually the first time I ever flew. I was like, I was, I think I was ten, nine or ten around nineteen ninety. But we flew to Boston to see some of uh, my dad's relatives who lived up there. And of course, we took the train to go see the Red Sox. But I remember the Green Monster. It looked like it was like I thought it was like a hundred feet tall. And then I remember like you know, look, and it turns out it was thirty-seven feet tall. But that was the that's a, just a cool city. And I and I went later, uh, kind of college years but yeah all the history in boston you know especially there around harvard all those pubs and everything it's just a cool city tons of history oh yeah so much brick i loved it yeah yeah for sure and that's something we'll focus on a little later you know architecture and design and what people are looking for these days uh and historic preservation which you know of course there's a lot of that up there and so uh but yeah but scotland that sounds fun and Lochrane, i mean that's gotta that's gotta be a little scottish doesn't it Oh, it, it is. I am Scots-Irish, so sort of went back to the motherland for my honeymoon. But um, but yeah, Edinburgh was so cool. We were in Edinburgh during the festival season, and huh. there was this fringe arts festival. So street performers everywhere you looked. On my husband's birthday, we went to the Military Tattoo, which was this 
like celebration of Scottish heritage and culture. And it seemed like glorified marching bands from different countries. I mean, bagpipes, fife and drums, fireworks in front of the Edinburgh Castle. So it, it was not only a, a honeymoon, but a birthday to remember. But very, everywhere we went, I would say, oh, I'm, I'm Lochrane. Like, where are you from? Oh, I'm like, I'm from here. I'm from Scotland. It's like, no, where in the States are you from? Yeah. <laughs> very, very That's American. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like just a few generations back, possibly. Well, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so Scotland, did, did y'all see Hadrian's Wall? No, we didn't see Hadrian's Wall, but we did say as we were leaving, it was like, all right, well, we've got to get back to work so that we can get back to Scotland and do just a big trip around the whole countryside. So we loved it. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're a Game of Thrones fan or not, but uh, supposedly uh, George R.R. Martin was, uh, you know, largely inspired, you know, by visiting Hadrian's Wall, you know, and that's where he kind of got the idea for the ice wall, you know, with the wildlings and all, you know, to wall them uh, out. Yeah, I I had heard that. So I'm I'm sure on on my next trip it, it might be a few years if not decades to get back, but um but I'll 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 report back and like <laughs> if Adrian's wall is up to snuff with what okay. we said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I I I need to like Google it or something, but I just sort of imagine it as, you know, kind of yeah, you know, how much of a wall could it possibly be this further, you know, this being so long ago, but anyway, uh, but yeah, that sounds, uh, that's all great. And so, and so just a little bit more about, um, about your personal background. So just tell us a little bit, you know, about your, uh, your career and your professional experience. This led you to your uh, current role at Sloss. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Birmingham have just been a lifelong cheerleader of the city. I went to the university of Richmond for college and loved it. I was a classics and history major. It's but, very similar you know, here. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I think I read that in your bio. Yeah. I was political science, but uh, those were my least favorite classes. Honestly, I, I would have changed my major if, you know, by the, but it was a little late, you know, halfway through junior year. But I took a bunch of history and English and philosophy, like as electives. And those were generally my favorite classes. Oh yeah, I know it was it was very interesting for for me. It didn't necessarily lend itself in a direct way to a career, but I did during my summers. I interned with a local commercial real estate group, Red Rock Realty Group. Yeah, um, and they were at the time focusing on some downtown historic preservation properties. And it was so much fun to attend OAC meetings. And I mean, as a, you know, 19, 20 year old college kid, I was the one like transporting tile samples from the architect to the project and cool. with the client to determine like which we would pick. So it, it was fun to play a very minor role in, uh, in some of those building transformations. For sure. Well, and those, uh, you know, just being around the industry, because uh, one thing we do here at the center, we have a, a, our CCAP program, a collegiate career assistance program. And uh, but it basically helps connect. You know, we really encourage students, you know, to get out in the field and do internships. You know, uh, we have some interns that work at the center, you know, but we also, you know, have plenty of UA students, you know, who have internships and in, in various aspects of the industry. And it really is a great intro kind of a uh, no matter what you're doing, you know, and, uh, but just seeing the projects, especially, you know, like you said, being pretty young and, but that's, you know, that's a, that's a cool experience. 
Yeah, no, and, and we actually, I had an intern in 2020, which was a, a whole weird experience, both for my intern and for me sort of navigating back to work and, um, you know, in that, you know, in-person setting. But it was great when we would go on tours. I, I would just, I would show him how we would work on deals and he was instrumental in some of the paperwork and marketing, but we would go on tours. And if there were a big group, you know, he would kind of feel out some of the uh, decision makers while I might be leading the tour and kind of going through the specs. And then we would huddle up at the end. It was like, so what Intel, like, you know, do you think they're interested? What were their needs? Do you think the space is big enough, enough private offices? And so it, it was a lot of fun to have a, an intern and, um, and it, he, I, I did help him find his first job right out, right out of college. And oh, great! Where did, uh, yeah, where did uh, what firm or what company? He went to Arlington Properties for a minute, and then did, uh, and then pivoted and, and went in house with a, a mortgage broker. Okay, um, and is is pursuing another like side hustle right now for a film production studio. So, um, so I, I am an advocate of hiring an intern in the commercial real estate industry, suffice it to say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also just the mentoring, you know, the relationship that can uh, develop over time. Because um, I always, I just like to stay in touch with folks, you know, especially the um, the students uh, who have interned here at the center in the past and other students who I just, you know, meet at Acre events and all that. But yeah, it's just good to stay in touch and, uh, you know, and to give back. Uh, so what, uh, so tell us a little bit about, uh, so Sloss, uh, the company history, Sloss Real Estate, how long has that uh, been around? So Sloss Real Estate started in 1988, uh, sort of a, a fun um, story and just sort of the, it, it almost like ties into the history of Birmingham where we are as a commercial real estate market today. Um, you know, the Sloss family was sort of a, a founding family of Birmingham. If you've been to the national historic landmark Sloss furnaces and they, they had that and, um, and started investing in, some old abandoned warehouses in the late 80s. So our founder, Kathy, or our president now, Kathy Sloss-Jones, um, she bought old buildings that had really interesting backstories. The Dr. Pepper building that now is a you know three-story building, houses, um, different office tenants, architects, uh, a restaurant, Richard Tubb, interiors, you know, in the 1920s was an old Dr. Pepper, like syrup bottling plant. And that, and there was an old clock that still remains on the outside of the building that points at like 10, two and four, like the, which was a big marketing push of when yeah. drink a Dr. Pepper. That's, for me, a three a day, I guess, <laughs> is what the doctor yeah. ordered. <laughs> yeah, at least three times a day. You need right, a right. Your morning, your early afternoon, and your you know mid afternoon. Uh, oh yeah. Dr. Pepper boost, but yeah, I love that building. That because um, I you know I grew up in Birmingham as well, and going to Birmingham Southern, I spent you know a good bit you know, kind of my formative years, you know, everybody's formative years, high school and college, but, you know, in Birmingham, but I really started to explore the city a lot more in college, 
you know, just through various events. But speaking of Sloss Furnace, this was 1998 when I graduated high school, but we had one of our parties at Sloss Furnace. And I think this was right around the time when it was transitioning to a venue, Um, you know, because it just kind of sat there. We might have done field trips or something as a kid, but that was 1998. And it was a really cool party, you know, I mean, it's just like a perfect venue. And then, you know, Sloss Fest and everything. I went to that a few years back. Uh, the one in the mud, I think it was 2017. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that, but it's just so cool. You know, what a great resource. And I'm glad that it's been preserved. Oh, absolutely. And and it's playing host to so many events. Um, it, and is absolutely a, a, just sort of a, a beacon for like the entire community. Um, but but yeah, and, and nearby there is just an incredible old stock or stock of old buildings yep. that you know pop up around the time or, or you know after um, Sloss Furnace's heyday. So that's really where the Sloss Real Estate and the Sloss family you know, got started in commercial real estate was just redeveloping some of the old buildings that had just been abandoned, similar to Sloss Furnaces, just right. Uh, you know, had had sat vacant for years and years and started urban revitalization when everyone was looking at the suburbs in the 80s and 90s. And yeah, the Galleria. Oh, yeah. So, so it was really a, a pioneering effort on the, the part of our founder, Kathy. And, you know, taking old, cool old buildings, you know, to mention or to have mentioned Boston earlier and all the beautiful right. tech and the history. I mean, all these buildings have their own stories. There's you know, the Martin Biscuit building that is now home to Red Cat, Hot and Hide, and Batola and Hearst Media, um, some other you know, biotech companies. That was an old you know, the Martin Biscuit like bakery uh, headquarters. And so taking an old building that had incredible bins, sat vacant, you know, the, the tenant from the 1920s again, you know, it had been long gone and just to breathe new life into some of these spaces and just to, to start, you know, building by building, transforming each old warehouse into you know, a mixed use property. And that that's something that we you know we continue today at Sloss Real Estate is strategically redeveloping kind of what's in the neighborhood, what you know what could better activate downtown. Um, and and around that time in the '90s, or excuse me, not in the '90s, in the year 2000, because we just had the 20th cel- or celebration of the anniversary of the Pepper Place Farmers Market. Yep. So um, so created the farmer's market to link Alabama farmers with Birmingham residents who wanted to support our local agriculture and artisan community. And and having the Pepper Place district and the parking lots and the buildings and just the sort of urban space as the backdrop for this market. I mean, there are over a hundred tents. I mean, in the summer months when it's really that many vendors, what a hundred. Okay. It's been a while since I've been, Uh, I kind of went in the early days, but yeah, but yeah, keep going a hundred tents. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And there will be, um, you know, as many as like 10,000 plus people shopping at Pepper Place on a given Saturday, you come like rain or shine. If it's, 75 and breezy or 95 and blazing in July, 
it's just such a fun community event. It's a great way to you know meet people who, you know, that are. Our great restaurant scene will source the heirloom tomatoes from this farmer, and he's at the farmers market every Saturday. So, it's a it's a it's a neat way to get plugged in and just a fun opportunity for the entire community to enjoy. Yeah, that's something I appreciate as I get older. I remember my mom was, but yeah, tomato, good tomatoes. You know, I never. <laughs> it took me a while, but yeah, but if you you know that really makes all the difference, especially for you know the restaurants, you know, professional chefs. You know, uh, but there's just a lot more work that goes into creating, you know, a quality meal at a high end restaurant that a lot of people kind of take for granted. I'm beginning to appreciate it more and more as I get a little older. But yeah, but but I can see him out there. He's got a he's got his heirloom tomato guy, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good stuff. And uh, and yeah, just kind of echoing back to Birmingham. But, you know, a city's character is largely you know, it, it rests on many things, but a lot of a city's character is rooted in its architecture and its buildings. And it's just so good to, you know, what better way to get a feel for a city in Birmingham with this industrial background? I, of course, I'm a little biased being from there, but it seems like industrial type buildings are very well suited for historic preservation and also adaptive reuse, you know, generally like large square footage, you know, kind of high ceiling heights. There's really kind of uh, kind of unlimited in what you can do with that building shell versus other types of construction, you know, and, and just something about that industrial feel. Uh, it's very nostalgic, uh, especially like Iron City, for example, uh, you know, great music venue, but, and it always sounds because I'm a, I'm a big music guy. I love to see some live music and it's all about the sound, you know, and some places sound better than others. Uh, like the BJCC, I know they've done a great renovation, but if you're in the upper deck there for a show, the sound is just not going to be great. There's just something about the building, but iron city, I think it's those bricks, yeah. <laughs> something about iron city. is just a, it's a really cool venue with amazing sound. Oh yeah. No, the acoustics there are just unparalleled. They really I, are. And, um, and you're, and you're right. Like in iron city too. So it's centrally located. It's a, a cool building. And, um, you know, similar to two of the, two of the warehouses that, Sloss has recently redeveloped. I mean, to your point of there are so many opportunities to transform an old warehouse box with high ceilings and old brick and in a cool downtown, you know, urban environment. One of the buildings that's located in Pepper Place uh, that we redeveloped a few years ago it is now home to Empire Office, an office furniture uh, showroom and their warehouse, but they've got high ceilings, lots of glass. So it, it just makes their, you know, their office showroom look beautiful to their clients and, you know, hosting different events to show off their, their furniture. And then Crawford Square, a commercial real estate firm. So you've got Class A office Glass A showroom and warehouse, you know, in this just old warehouse, we've just kind of transformed the exterior. But then, you know, across from Sloss Docks or Sloss Furnaces is another project that we have Sloss Docks. And we took, you know, one of the 11,000 square foot bays, high ceilings, it knocked out um, a lot of the facade and brought in a ton of roll up, you know, garage doors and nice storefront windows for back 40 beer company. Oh yeah. That's a big, that's a good label. 
Oh yeah. If you, if you haven't been to Birmingham in a minute with family, it is the best like babysitter in town. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to have to try that back 40. Yeah. 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 Keep going. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you just, there's a lot for the kids to do. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and to watch the trains go by and you see like the beautiful Birmingham skyline in the distance, but you know, you've got what was just an old warehouse that, you know, really just served sort of a stagnant function and now activating it with back 40 that, you know, it, you mentioned the the muddy sauce fest a couple of years ago, that was the weekend that back 40 opened. Oh, really? And so when, you know, when there were, were thunder and lightning strikes, a lot of folks, you know, naturally went across the street to back 40 and back 40 absolutely killed it. Like, I bet they did. Yeah, that's, what a launch, you know, <laughs> what a great way to open. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. But it, it, and and what I love too about Birmingham is veering off topic a, a little bit, but um, Back 40 is sort of part of this, uh, I assume, like quite intentional urban beer trail along the Jens Valley walking trail on First Avenue. You have what, five or six different breweries. Um, so That's you- really cool. Yeah, to have them there together, it just kind of, you can just go kind of brewery hopping. You know, there's something about, you know, they're competing with one another. It's kind of like, you know, a lot of bars and restaurants, you know, but you need to have a district, you know, you don't want to be, you know, you can be by out there by yourself. That's fine. But it's also nice, you know, to be kind of with the community, uh, in a way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, another kind of neat feature of the Pepper Place district is it's really centrally located as a connector of some of the different sort of sub neighborhoods in Birmingham. So what what I've found distinct, although Birmingham is by far not the largest southeastern city by any means, I feel like our downtown is so well connected in a way that a lot of other cities are not. And again, that the Jones Valley Trail that you know abuts the sort of northern side of Pepper Place, you know, extends eastward into the Avondale community, westward all the way down to the Parkside District and Railroad Park. And again, you're picking up a bunch of different brewery spots along the way. Yeah. Um, and then you know you can easily access downtown. So. Um, yeah, you know, I just feel like Birmingham's downtown. A lot of developers have looked at just really focusing on the urban core and adding more showrooms, more, more caught. Co- you know, I mean, I, I love hearing about a new coffee shop announcement or grand opening or a new restaurant or, you know, this business just, op- or they move their headquarters from, Hoover down to the Birmingham. A re- yeah. A lot of companies are doing that. Yeah. So it's, it, it just, it feels, it feels nice and it presents a lot of opportunities to sort of in, in each neighborhood to park once and visit lots of different shops and restaurants and offices. Um, but also you're, you know, five to 10 minutes away from the next neighborhood. Right. Too. And also the, the, the relative walkability, you know, I would say it's pretty, you know, cause with rotary trail, which, uh, I actually, I was in town for a meeting not long ago and I hadn't walked rotary trail in about four years, you know, I'm, I walked right when it was first, uh, finished. 
Uh, but I was just amazed at the development there. But I think that's just a good example because like, Pepper, I know there's an emphasis on walkability with Pepper Place, uh, but I feel like, you know, it, and especially just the grid system, you know, how Birmingham, how downtown was just laid out on that grid system and the way that North and South Side are, you know, easily connected. Uh, and especially the lights in the tunnel. I mean, it's all the little things. I mean, it's, uh, but I just, you know, whoever, I'm glad that we're on the grid system makes it a lot easier versus like downtown Atlanta. You know, I'm just like, you know, I'm totally dependent on Google maps, (laughs) but, uh, but Birmingham, you know, it's just a very hats off to whoever laid that out way back when. Yeah, no. And I feel like our, like that first Avenue South, the Jones Valley walking trail is, like Birmingham's smaller, but a little more condensed, a little more compact um, Beltline that yeah. has been so successful in transforming you know, the urban core of Atlanta, um, you know, if you can call every neighborhood sort of urban core. But uh, and, th- and that's something, too. You mentioned you know, Pepper Place's emphasis on walkability. Um, Kathy and our director of design and development, Callan Childs, were very intentional kind of from the get go. And I mean, just continue to be every day about creating and transforming urban spaces for all of our tenants to enjoy. So we've got, you know, pretty heavy emphasis on outdoor seating and there's a pedestrian spine that you can walk from one end of Pepper Place to the other that, you know, it's not a a vehicle thoroughfare. Um, so we we like to just create a, a place where again you park once and you can visit, you know, the collective salon, Ovenbird, you know, grab some ice cream at Jenny's, you know, keep on walking down the middle, down to the back courtyard of Blueprint on Third. And and along the way you'll see very intentional signage and outdoor, you know, just a lot of focus and heavy emphasis on our landscaping. Um, and again, just trying to to create a beautiful space where people want to be and businesses want to be. And uh, and again, just, just kind of preserves the best of the old architecture and kind of bringing that into the future. Yeah. And, um, and, that, and it's just really cool to see, you know, downtown. It's just continually developing, but, uh, and I've said it before, but I think it's worth mentioning. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the heart and soul of the city. You know, you could say that about any city, but when I, you know, when I think about whether it's Montgomery or Mobile, Atlanta, New Orleans, you know, when I think about any city, you know, your, your mind is immediately drawn, you know, to the urban core, to the skyline, to, uh, you know, what can you do in the downtown area? And it's really cool to see that. And I think it's just a good sign of, you know, it's, it's just a good sign that people are reinvesting in downtown areas, especially in the last 20 years. Uh, but it's happening all across the state, you know, down in Mobile. I hear I have uh, several good friends down there, a lot of college friends uh, from Mobile. Never been to Mardi Gras, maybe one year. I'm still waiting to get invited. Uh, <laughs> but no, you've got to go. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. And um, for the family friendly stuff, you know, not the Fat Tuesday event with the tails. Uh, my boy Gilliard said, you know, sorry, that's probably not on the list. But there's like some family stuff, you know, Friday and Saturday where it's all casual and um visitor friendly, but yeah, but whether, but Montgomery as well, you know, there's so much history in downtown Montgomery and, and it's come a long way, uh, really starting with that baseball stadium, you know, the biscuit stadium, when they put that, I remember seeing that it was like 2006, 
probably the hottest day of my life sitting in the sun watching like a two o'clock minor league baseball. We were in the direct sun, but it was still really cool because, you know, you, it's right by the railroad tracks and the river. And I was just very proud that Birmingham, you know, the Barons, uh, you know, having the Barons back downtown, it's been almost 10 years now, but I just love, you know, it's just so cool, you know, just building that momentum and, and, uh, and, and it's great to see it happen across the state and the region. Well, and it, it feels like uh, so many cities that have really vibrant downtowns, they're built along a river. And yep. since obviously Birmingham does not have a river, it's like, well, what do we have instead? We've got this really cool walking trail. So, you know, across, and the railroads, yeah. yeah. And the railroads. So you've got um, Regions Field located across the street from Railroad Park, which, as you mentioned, kind of picks up into the Rotary Trail. And, and again, and that's where there's been so much development and so much life built around that stadium, um, the, you know, the OG Good People Brewery and, you know, the Parkside District has really transformed into another hot spot for development, a lot of housing, um, you know, rents. I, my husband was from, he lived in Nashville for a couple of years and you hear how expensive Nashville is, how expensive Atlanta is. And then you kind of check out Birmingham residential rents. It's like, oh, we've got a pretty healthy yeah. uh, re- yeah, average rental rate downtown at some of our you know, stock of new uh, apartment buildings that is, you know, can be on par with um, with some of the some of our sort of rival nearby cities. So it's a that's a good point. Yeah, your money just goes a little further in Birmingham, I would say, because, you know, wages, you know, on average, you know, wages might be a touch higher in Nashville and Atlanta, you know, big cities that to be expected. But there's a lot, you know, there's good money to be made in Birmingham and your cost of living is pretty reasonable. You know, that's yeah. a good point you make. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, like the, the transportation, so many people um, that I like a lot of folks I know, I'll, I'll be surprised um I guess this just dates me and sort of where I, I live, like in in Forest Park, so close to to downtown, but not where I could you know, walk to work every day. But I I will meet someone like every week, every other week who walks to work, and that's, that's cool. just something that you wouldn't hear in Birmingham. But you know, really since since my college days of being a 19 year old intern, uh, you know, working on an old you know, apartment and now a condo building where nobody was living downtown. Now there are a ton of people living downtown. Yeah. And, and the, the Publix, I think, I mean, to me, that was uh, having that Publix on South side. I mean, you know, you've made it when Publix comes, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I know you don't need to leave anymore. <laughs> yeah. And also just, a, you know, a grocery store in a downtown area. I know they've been trying that in Montgomery for a long time, but it's just not quite enough residents yet. But that, you know, it just shows the momentum, you know, that a big national retailer, you know, highly selective about where they go. Uh, but yeah, but you know, enough, uh, enough residents to drive traffic. And similarly, speaking of living downtown, I mean, this was quite a while back, but one of uh, my wife's an attorney went to Cumberland and one of her good friends from Cumberland, uh, he works for one of the big firms downtown right there near like 20th street and uh, fourth Avenue North. Um, but he, I think it was 2010 or 2011, he bought a really cool condo. So there was a big condo boom, kind of late 2000s. Um, 
kind of around the time of the financial crisis, but a lot of them made it, you know, some of them might not have, but this one, and, he, and it was just so cool to visit, you know, cause we would just, but he would literally walk to work, you know, I mean, it's like, what gets better than that? Uh, yeah. Uh, especially, and then, you, you know, walk to get a drink, walk to get lunch, coffee, you name it. So, uh, and it's really cool. Like second Avenue North. I love how that's like, you know, you could maybe, you know, a while back, you know, the, the center of the culinary universe in Birmingham, my opinion, it was Highlands Bar and Grill, which I believe is not reopened, right? It, that is correct. That That's like the hottest foodie question to ask anyone <laughs> in town is, yeah. you know, when Highlands is going to reopen. And uh, actually, I was talking to a tenant recently at Pepper Place, and she said that part of the of Highlands, you know, Frank and Partiston, mm-hmm. um, she came into her shop and, and bought like, several pieces of beautiful furniture. And you know, this girl's starstruck because, you know, the Stitts are Birmingham's like most celebrated local celebrities. They're royalty. They <laughs> are royalty. And, and she, and, and she like very bashfully asked like, when will uh, Highlands reopen? Partis was like, well, we just, we just don't know yet. And I think that, that they're, standard for excellence is so high that when they do, they've got to have the best of the best staff, I think, especially, um, but there's certainly a demand. So, uh, yeah. So they're still in the space is, has the space changed at all? I guess it's just been kind of vacant where, uh, you know, right there where Highlands Bar, Bar and Grill is. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I wish that that I had the you know, the glass ball to tell you when, yeah, right. <laughs> for, and for myself when we can start making reservations there. Again. Yeah, well, I, I just got my fingers crossed, so I'm sure it'll be back at some point. But uh, but yeah, but it seems like the the culinary heart of the city now. I mean, I would say is arguably it's Second Avenue North, which you know during my college days around 2000, you know, 20 years ago, that was pretty much pawn shops. You know, you had Levy's Pawn Shop and a few other jewelry stores and some off, but I just love how second Avenue North, you know, with Helen and I guess it really start. I mean, it started a while back. Uh, there's a really good Mexican place. I can't recall the name. Oh, El Barrio. Yeah. I feel like that was one of the first, Yeah, uh, or maybe not one of the first, but that was kind of early in the wave, you know, almost 10 years ago, but I just love that second Avenue North corridor, all the bars and restaurants, uh, lot to offer. Yeah, no, and I, I feel like Second Avenue North is definitely a testament to the mantra: "If you build it, they will come," and it just snowballs whenever there's another another vacancy or, or like a you know an old mainstay that had been around for generations, fifty to a hundred years. When that old business will close, then some cool restaurant or bar will open. Um, kind of in its in its wake, and that so similar to plug Pepper Place, our district. Um, you know, that's a it has really evolved into a foodie scene too. So, um, one of the one of the early restaurants, Batola. Um, yes, oh, I love Batola. That was oh, a yeah, good one. Batola, you just can't beat it. It's an awesome lunch and always an amazing dinner too. Great, great outdoor patio. So it, it is patio season. It's lovely. But, um, but Ovenbird opened years uh, se- seven years ago exactly. They're celebrating their seventh year wow. this year. But um, but the success of Ovenbird and Batola 
inspired Chris Hastings when um, he knew that the landlord wanted his space back for hot and hot. He was, it was like the, the hottest restaurant in town to the original uh, there by the Western, the old upside down plaza. Yeah. Right off of Highland Avenue. Yeah. That would, that's a cool spot. Yeah. So he, he chose a space at pepper place in the Martin biscuit building to open hot and hot and it has just done phenomenally well. And again, takes advantage of the patio weather because we've got beautiful outdoor spaces. So outdoor dining is really popular. Um, and then some other restaurants, Blueprint on third. And, um, and what, what was fun, one of my first like real success stories at Sauce Real Estate, I've, I've been at Sauce for a little over four years now. Um, our Callan Childs, I mentioned earlier, she sent me my first week of work, this wish list of her top five tenants that she wanted to come to Pepper Place. And I think number one on her list was Jenny Splendid Ice Cream. She's got two daughters. She and her husband are big ice cream fans. And, you know, I, from there's a lot to go into ice cream it's, yeah. and it's, it, when you do it right, you know. It, well, and I grew up like, well, there's Mountain Brook Creamery. There's <laughs> yeah. like, it, you know, some. Yeah, Baskin Robbins. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to get one like or two scoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Baskin Robbins. But um, it was like, why, why is this ice cream shop so cool? And, you know, I'd go to different cities and I, especially in Nashville and Atlanta. I mean, lines like wrapped around the block for Jenny's at like seven o'clock. It was like, like what's going on? It was just this little shop has that type of following and the founder had an origin. She started her business selling at farmer's markets. She would use the local produce from the farmer's market and use that in her ice cream, sell the ice cream at the farmer's market. And I think it was Columbus, Ohio. And it just took off. She won a James Beard award. And so, so I make this pitch to, uh, to Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. And I mean, we worked on that deal for like 18 months, but we, we, we got to, um, you know, Callan designed a, a standalone pavilion in the parking lot. So she created this 670 square foot standalone scoop shop for Jenny's um, that Jenny's loved the story of the Pepper Place Farmers Market, you know, some of the top tier restaurants that were located around there that, again, were using the local produce, kind of had like deep roots in the community and in our local sort of food source. And um, and so they, they opened their scoop shop in June 2020, and it, they've just been incredibly successful and then kind of looked at that as a template of um, you know, their success here in Birmingham, Birmingham can support several more scoop shops. So there's one about to open and Mountain Brook. And, uh, and I think they're, they're eyeing a, a third location. We, we heard that Jenny's likes to come in threes. Okay. So I guess stay tuned of what that could awesome. be. But, um, but, but it was, it was cool to really rely on the history of you know, these are successful restaurants Here's our local farmer's market to go after a big national cool um, dessert shop like Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams and to have them see those are their recipes for success. They want to be in a place with a farmer's market, with a, you know, commitment from the local community and, you know, a place with a really cool story for where they want to open another location. 
For sure. Well, yeah, well, congrats on landing them. That's, uh, you know, really, it just, you know, it just adds that, you know, extra layer, you know, something else to do uh, at Pepper Place. And so uh, just kind of continuing with uh, the urban shopping theme, uh, what are some other uh, developments, you know, longstanding or recent, you know, in, in the Sloss portfolio uh, that, you know, that are that have an urban shopping focus? Yeah, no, um, another very early deal that I did at Sloss Real Estate four years ago um, was was Billy Reed. So had oh, yeah, the designer. Yeah, the designer. So oh, yeah, he yeah, he's a yeah out of Florence. Yeah, yeah, and having a, a clothing shop like come to downtown. I mean, it it seems like even just four years ago, like what a what a risky play. You're not at the summit or um, at one of the other suburban neighborhood shopping districts, but um, but that's been a really successful operation. And then another. Another oh, and, uh, before where's Billy Reed's location? I might have to check it out. They're on they're twenty eight oh seven Second Avenue South, and they're okay. part of the horseshoe or like the main horseshoe where a lot of our vendors set up for the or the Saturday farmers market. So yeah, they've got exposure to a ton of foot traffic. Again, their brand ties into very much you know local creative you know, Southern cool. Um, so, so they've been a great tenant and then ignite cycle. Yeah, I, there's been this sort of buzz and, you know, what are big retail trends? Like what in the absence of, um, you know, a big box store at a mall, what's driving traffic to any sort of shopping district? And, you know, one answer is like, boutique fitness and Ignite. that's a good point yeah <laughs> and uh and having ignite cycle there has i mean it absolutely brings at least you know 30 people to whatever class slots they've got on a given day and especially saturdays you see you know so many people walking around and um you know workout gear who are either coming to or heading to a, a spin class but you've got to get your coffee first or yep. You know, treat yourself with some Hinkle's baked goods after. Um, so that's that that's been very successful. And again, she just opened another location as well after the Pepper Place location has um, you know has brought so much so much business. And then um, so another trend that has been fun for you know Pepper Place to sort of serve as the testing ground for some retailers who had businesses exclusively online, um, you know, one or, or two tenants had just Instagram accounts and they were, you know, they were warehousing their products and in the basement or had taken over the study or, um, and, and the family looked at the, the business center and was like, all right, wh where are you going to go? I think it's time to grow up and make this a real business. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so one of our tenants, Lily Cat Rugs, um, she has a storefront. It's again, it's by oh, I love some rugs. <laughs> oh yeah. And she, I mean, she absolutely kills it, but she's got a, a beautiful background to, um, you know, to photograph her rugs against both in her space and outdoors. There's just always incredible light. Um, but that adds, you know, shoppers and you know, has just brought her great success having her in um, storefront and found Birmingham, a, another 
sort of similar story. Uh, it was an, an antique dealer. So this, the, the owner of found Birmingham was just collecting antiques throughout the Southeast, selling them on Instagram. She would fix them up, sell them. Um, and then she opened a, a space in the Dr. Pepper building. We activated a basement space so you could peer in from 29th street and see, see her product. She didn't necessarily attract walk-in traffic, but again, by appointment only, she was in 1200 square feet after two years or actually, you know, less than that. She came to me and was like, Hey, I've loved being here, you know, by my followers knowing that I'm at Pepper Place and by people who come to Pepper Place, they, they find out about me. I would love to grow my store and be able to open my doors on a more regular basis and have more regular retail hours uh, on the weekends. And so we, we knew an office tenant was moving out again, farther down second Avenue. It was like this all interior. I mean, it was, it was a 1990s sort of classic office. You've got storefront on the front end, and then it was just like a, a little shotgun office. Every private office had, or no private office had outdoor natural light, low drop ceilings, old carpet. And she was like, I, I like the location let's blow it out. So we got rid of the drop ceilings. We open up the space and your point about, you know, how warehouses can be so cool. She's got just the, you know, the rough, like painted concrete. That's the best, you know, the yeah, and, and, atmosphere, like why, you know, I get the drop ceiling, but I'm anytime I see it pulled out, it's like, amen, <laughs> open yeah, it up. You know. Let's see it. <laughs> and they have like the old cool, like brick and beam. I mean, she's got a, you know, a beautiful brick wall and high beam ceilings. And again, and it makes it, it makes such a great showroom, but when you're in there, but it also serves as a wonderful background for just her photography and it sort of serve that dual purpose, both, you know, in-person retail and, um, online sort of brand building presence. Yeah, that modern kind of hybrid. Uh, and speaking of photography, a good friend of mine, another tenant at Pepper Place, I believe, uh, but Holland Williams Photography. Oh, yes. Pretty Holland. awesome. Yeah, Holland, uh, yeah. her husband Reed and I are really good friends from Birmingham Southern. Um, and and she's just awesome. She did our, uh, our baby pictures way back in the day and we just always stay in touch. But, uh, but another, but, you know, definitely fits the vibe y'all have down there, you know, with, uh, the rug shop, you know, and just the restaurants. And I just, it's just hats off to mixed use. Right. Yeah. And it, it and it's, it's fun seeing Holland's pictures. Um, cause she'll, I mean, she's got a, a great space that works so well as a backdrop for her photography. And I'll always, I'll be in the building and I'll see some family. It was pro- probably like your family back in the day. You come in with the stroller, kids are screaming <laughs> and like yep. nobody looks happy. And then they go upstairs yeah, and I'll see that family and their kids like <laughs> on her Instagram and like these kids look like angels. Everyone looks beautiful, smiling. It was yep. like oh, magic. I, I think she has a must have a magic wand. <laughs> oh, she does. And I actually my um, my little cousin teased her too for their like infant photo shoot. And they she she took a lot of pictures 
outside around Pepper Place with them. So oh, cool. I'll yeah. see you know little Grazier sitting in front of Hot and Hot. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's that's the that's the character right there, you know, and uh, just adds that extra dimension. And, uh, but yeah, but that's another business. Cause I remember when she ran that out of their house, uh, I remember, you know, but just another business that's, you know, transition, you know, it's grown to the point where we, uh, you need some office space and we want something unique and special and sounds like pepper place was a perfect match. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's so many, there are just so many stories like that. And even sort of companies that were founded out of somebody's basement or, um, you know, the guest house, one of, one of my good friends, Jimmy Laughlin's an architect and, you know, he is a, a one man show. He could work out of his house, had great natural light. It was convenient. He's still visiting clients primarily at, at their houses or, you know, offsite on location. But as he's adding more architects and more staff, you know, you need a a space to house everyone. So he's got a great space at Pepper Place. And uh, we, we love working with architects because they always make their offices just as beautiful as they could possibly be. That's absolutely. I, yeah. I, I, I love architecture. I've kind of refer, referred to it as livable art, you know, um, and just one of my favorite art forms because, you know, it's, I heard someone say, you know, you know, quality architecture should make you feel good. Um, uh, and it is important, you know, the, the built environment, but, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, the offices, you know, the architects offices, yeah, generally, uh, just very fun to see, you know, the creativity kind of hits another level. Um, and that's another thing we're blessed with in Birmingham, you know, many very well-respected, uh, architects who just kind of help develop, you know, the look of the city. Uh, cause when I think of, you know, Birmingham, you know, some of those, you know, the old mansions up on Red Mountain, you know, and a lot of them are in Forest Park, you know, Highland, but the, the slate roof, you know, the extensive brickwork. And I feel like a lot of the modern architecture kind of builds on that tradition uh, and blends in well with those, you know, 100 year old plus buildings. Well, and I feel like Birmingham is so fortunate to have like old buildings, like both like you're right, the houses you drive through and you know, Redmont and Birmingham and it's like, why, why would you live anywhere else? Like, why would you go anywhere else? But, um, but I I love that a lot of our commercial buildings were not demolished back when it was cool to get rid of everything and just build up a a new glass 20 foot office tower hotel. I mean, you go to so many cities and like, yes, there's the demand and density for that, but it just lacks a lot of character that I feel like Birmingham just has tenfold. and, And that's been fun to watch other transformations around the Pepper Place District. I mean, seeing, I think I had mentioned to you, we're at 100% occupancy at Pepper Place now because there's such a demand to be a part of that that high energy and activity. And you can walk to lunch, you can get coffee, um, you can shop, your office is cool. Like you want to go there to work. You want your clients to come visit you. Well, a lot of other developers 
They've also started to renovate and redevelop buildings around the Pepper Place district. Uh, one of my best friends, he leased the old Red Mountain Rovers building. That's just a yeah, I remember that one. Way and um and opened the tequila bar Milewell. Oh, and, I, to, I gotta hit that. I got oh, oh, you've got to. I'm get on it. a tequila kick. I've, well, I've been <laughs> on one. I'm, and <laughs> my brother Charlie, I believe you know. Shout out to Charlie. Uh, but he's, uh, he's really gotten into some high-end tequilas recently. Um, but yeah, tequila bar, that, that sounds wonderful. Oh, it, well, you've got a, you got me on a big mezcal kick. So he's been telling me about that. Yeah. It, you've got to switch over to the dark side. It's like- <laughs> <laughs> it has a bad rap from what I hear, you know, because I remember like, you know, the joke or the worm in the bottle or, you know, it just has like, but that's like, you know, the down in Mexico, the, I hear the mezcals are like, that. that's where it's at. They're all different. They're, you know, wild agave versus, you know, farm raised and harvest, you know. Yeah. Uh, every bottle is truly different or every batch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And my, my friend Neil actually attended a CCIM networking event. It's a happy hour. And he gave a class on tequila and he had three different types um, and it, and it was the Reposito. Of course, I don't remember the other two. It's like the one that you typically, the Blanco. The bl- yeah, the, yeah, the unaged, the straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the clear stuff. Maybe, but um, but yeah, and, and it, so he's got this old, again, like the old character, beautiful brick space. He had been to Mexico maybe 13 to 15 times before he opened a tequila bar and he even has a rooftop patio. So you can, you're, you can oh, my, you, you sold me there tequila and, on the rooftop. Yes. I'm there. <laughs> and, and, and you watch the sunset like over pepper place. It, oh, is, my. it is stunning. But... I might have to leave the office early today. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. That might be worth the drive. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you at, uh, at my well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, so a rooftop bar, uh, that's really cool. Tell us more about that rooftop space. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, having outdoor spaces, I feel like that attracts so much business. Um, and it can just really distinguish a, a restaurant. I've, I've got a rooftop restaurant space for lease actually in the Denim building. Oh, wow. Down in the Parkside district. And from that space, you can see all of downtown. You can see um, the Children's Hospital all lit up at night, fireworks from Regions Field. You can see down to the the Birmingham skyline with yeah, and Sloss, which is a part of you know, I I I can't imagine Birmingham without the furnace skyline. You know, yeah, I mean, it it just enhances it that much. Um, And speaking, uh, you're talking about preservation. I think Birmingham. I think it's kind of a good place to sort of wrap it up. But uh, we did a paper a while back um, about adaptive reuse, and I remember my dad talking uh, a good bit. But he talked about the old train station. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Of course. Yeah, it's torn down. I think in the mid to late '60s, back when tearing down buildings, they didn't really put much. The plan was to put a post office there, and you're talking about a building to rebuild it today. The cost would be astronomical. Uh, I've seen some photos of it. It had that Byzantine architecture, kind of similar to the the Methodist Church right there. Uh, in five point South, um, but kind of that, you know, sort of Eastern or, you know, that Byzantine look, but it was just, 
And then now I've heard basically where it was on Sixth Avenue. I can't remember if it was north. I think it was on the north side, but and there's still the tunnel that you, where the trolleys used to go under the station. But basically, right where the Red Mountain Expressway, almost where it intersects with uh, I-59, you know, 2059, one of the most traveled spaces. But that's basically where it was, from what I've heard. Uh, but I think we've learned our lesson, you know, from that because there was a big outcry. Uh, of course, the station wasn't being used anymore. The traffic, the passenger traffic, was down to almost nothing. Um, you know, uh, but you know, it's torn down and hauled away. But I think we learned a lot from that, that we're just better off preserving our, our historical assets. Yeah, no, I agree. I think everyone in Birmingham and like being a, a child of parents who like very much lament the day the station went down. Yeah, Like you hate that that was the casualty and that, you know, like you and I weren't around to appreciate it or, or ever see it. And it's uh, kind of in its heyday, but, but now seeing all of these old buildings and knowing whatever bank that was founded in 1903. And now this, this is a, like a, a residential building or an office tower downtown. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to come back to check out the city walk and how the city has transformed like under the, the interstates and has been really intentional on like activating these points of the city, which you would think of as sort of dark and scary, like, Oh, you're, you're under the, I want to walk through there. Yeah. But, um, but like 18th street that has the, like the rainbow lights under it. Yeah. Or 17th, maybe 17th or 18th. But yeah, that is just gorgeous. Oh, it's so cool. And it like, and it feels good. My, my buddy Neil and I used to go on walks at at the time he was living at live on fifth and we would walk from live on fifth down to railroad park and then do a loop downtown and, and go, you know, under the, the viaduct and yeah. And it's all lit up and it felt nice. We do our loop. We might, and get a beer, good people, go back. But it's like we did, you know, you walk downtown in a way that we never did growing up before any of that development had happened, before Railroad Park was there, before Rev had, had lit the underpass. And it's just, it's neat to see the investment that so many developers and sort of the public-private partnership has made to invest in our city and really activate it and just invite, you know, all of the citizens of Birmingham to come enjoy our downtown. For sure. Yeah. Really taking it to new heights. Uh, and I'm sure it will just continue, uh, to grow, uh, as you know, as time passes. Well, Lockrain, this has been a really, uh, really great episode. Thank you again for joining us. A lot of great topics, uh, of conversation. So thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Thank you, Stuart. And I will look forward to seeing you this afternoon at Milewell for- That's right. That's right. I think I might have to get a, a nice resposado. Or no, no, scratch <laughs> that. I'm going to get a mezcal, the real deal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, hey, well, uh, well, yeah, this has been the Real Estate Matters Podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening. the Real Estate Matters podcast produced by the Alabama Center for Real Estate. Listen on Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Podbean, or just ask Alexa to play the Real Estate Matters podcast.